The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Like clockwork, we are back. What's happening, y'all? Woo-saw, take a deep breath, and let us know where you're tuning in from in the chat. I know you're probably coming out of a meeting, you're coming off of a call. Change your chat settings down there to everyone. And tell us, you know what? Tell us two things. Tell us where you're tuning in from and how many new meetings you booked this week. That's what I want to know in the chat right now. Let's see who's got who's got it. That's a good rest. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you coming in the room, I want to know where you're tuning in from and how many new meetings you scheduled this week. Shout out to Eli or Ellie. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, from Toronto, one meeting. Where are you tuning in from? Ontario, two meetings. Shout out to Rod. What's up, man? From Rico. I just spoke to you yesterday, man. It's good to see you. Ontario, new two new meetings. Germany, one meeting. Anybody got like three, five meetings? Who's kicking ass out there? No meetings this week. Arena, that's okay. No worries. Denver, two meetings. Shout out to you. (laughs) I love seeing it. Philly, in enablement, but shout out to the front lines. (laughs) I love it, man. Look at all this love. (laughs) Well, James. for those of you that are coming into the room, we are looking for where you're tuning in from and how many meetings you scheduled this month while we get this or this week while we get this going. Uh, all right. So like I said, February was rough. Yes. I felt the pain. Like, I feel you. It was rough. Like, it can be rough. It can be, it can be challenging out there, but that's all part of the game and why we love it. So let's talk about what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about how to increase your cold call conversions after the opener. Welcome back, everybody, to the Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I am your host, James Say What Sales Buckley, and we're going to talk about moving from the opener to the booked meeting with our two guests. I'm saying it right, Cynthia Handal. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So good. And my main man, Ronen Pasar. What's happening, brother? Thanks for having me back. These guys are great. There's so much knowledge here. You guys are going to get a lot of energy out of this. Uh, well, so before we get started, if you're looking to level up in 2023, we're here to help. The Daily Show now offers a membership with instant access to our courses, training, and resources. Please check us out at sellbetter.xyz or scan that QR code on your screen. want to give a big shout out to these two organizations, Gong and Vidyard. If you are in need of conversational intelligence or video resources, Vidyard and Gong are the perfect pair. All right, it's time for that daily drop. So today we've got a winner. We are going to give you a scorecard so that you can actually score conversations and know which skills to sharpen that matter most in your call strategy. So go ahead in the chat right now and get this free scorecard that we are providing for you. We know that it matters who's in the room. So go ahead and tell us what you are so that we can tailor this conversation to the folks that are in the room. It's going to be different depending on what your role is. And we like to tailor these conversations as best as we can. Uh, let me tell you a little bit while you're doing that about what we're going to be. Oh, you know what? Let's do this. Ronan, Ronan, you've been on the show before and you're a wealth of knowledge and a gifted sales professional. With the AEs and the SDRs on a clear lead on this, uh, what is the technique that is outdated and bothers you most when it comes to moving a conversation forward from stage to stage? I had to sigh, deep sigh for this one, but... I even am guilty of doing this. It's just the reason for my call. I know people love it, but I think it's overused. It's a little outdated. And uh, I- I'm still even guilty of it. But I think transitioning the call with the reason for my call, it's like, yeah, that's what I've been waiting for. 
So you SDRs that are massive in the room, 58% of you in the room right now, the reason for my call is the one. Uh, and we're going to talk more about stuff that we should remove. Cynthia, I know you've got a gem for us on that. So we're going to wait because it's coming at the end. Don't give it away. This is what you can expect from today's show, how to transition from the opener to the close or the booked meeting, and then common pitfalls that you should probably avoid. And then there's like some tone stuff that we always talk about that really does impact the way that you're being perceived perceived by the person on the other end of the phone. We've got some other questions for you as we move forward, uh, but let's talk about this for now. Uh, I have a technique that I use where I do a first and second, and I want your feedback on these. I say first, this is my example, right? I use this all the time. When I get on the call, what I'll say is, I'd like to talk about the open roles that you have in the sales department. And second, I'd like to learn about the resources for onboarding and training. And I feel like the first and second technique really lends itself to being able to set up for a nice transition. What do you guys think about that technique? So who's... Um, go ahead. I, I'm going to go first. Yeah. Uh, Ronan already talked, so it's my turn. So um, this is a good conversation, actually, because we get into permission-based openers, and it's a conversation that I keep having with my team over and over again. I love permission-based openers. Uh, I've heard a couple of good ones. Probably my favorite one is, hi, this is Cynthia. This is a cold call. Can I have 15 seconds of your time? And that's probably the most used one. But again, I have some people that it doesn't work for them. Like if you ask me and I say, and I think Ronan is going to say, like, I totally disagree with you. I hate it when people ask, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. But that again, does not work for me but I think it works wonders for some people. So you do have to find something that works for you. But I'm all about permission-based openers because people respect the hustle. You're asking for permission. You will always be interrupting their day. So that is just me. But I know Ronan is going to say, how are you doing is awesome. No silver bullets here. Ronan, it's I true. It's true. bat it down, buddy. We're, I mean, we're not vampire hunting, so no silver bullets. But look, you can say whatever you want to say on an opener. You can. It doesn't matter what word you say. Very, 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 very few words you could say to actually mess up your opener. It's all about how you deliver it. We know from uh, lots of research out there, there's a study by Manning and his group of other um, scientists who looked into body language, verbal, non-verbal uh, non and verbal communication. And what they found was about 93% of how we perceive communication is non-verbal. 7% is the words. So the words matter, but only 7% out of 100. When you're on a cold call, you don't have the biggest chunk of that, which is the body language. Although you see me talking with my hand right now, and if you're Italian, like you probably do this a lot. But the thing is that like, ultimately, you just have your tone. And so you have to learn tonal control, your pace, your volume, your pitch, all the things that convey what you're saying. I've watched some incredible cold callers, people like Kevin Hobb or some of the SDRs I've had um, you know, on previous teams. They can say, they can get away with murder as long as yeah. it sounds good. So yeah. you can even pick up the phone and just be like, hey, how are you? And the person's like, good, who's this? And then they go right into it. So the permission-based opener, I'm all about it, especially if you're beginner or even intermediate on the phone, because it gives you the confidence to be able to keep moving. And it also gives you something to measure to know, like, how well am I doing at that first three to five seconds to get past that first step and into the next one? Yeah, it's a great use case for that conversational intelligence that I brought into the picture earlier with Gong, right? Because you want to go back and you want to look at all the things that you did or didn't do that you could have improved on. 
Okay, so using permission-based openers, Cynthia, is one of the things that you've been doing with your team. There are two others here. One is setting themselves up with the transition, but then also you've increased the number of calls, which probably does make for more experienced sellers that get to learn on the job. Now, we have some gripes about this that we're going to get into, but tell me about why you increased the number of calls and how that impacted your results. So, like, the path Q1 has been, I'm going to say it out there and I'm going to be completely honest, Q1 was rough. Well, and we're on the last month of Q1. I think outbound gets extreme, has been extremely difficult. So you definitely want to be able to talk to the most people you can. And the fastest way to reach people is obviously still cold calling. Cold calling is never dead and it's never overrated because it's probably going to be like I said, the fastest way to reach more prospects. We were doing 75 calls a day. We ramped that to a minimum of 100. Why? Because we just want to take advantage since it's so low to be able to get more conversation on the phone. And again, something that it, that is extremely important whenever you're calling a lot of people, it's not about the number of calls. I'm just doing that to get more conversations. It's probably most about the quality of those conversations. Remember when you're telephone prospecting, you have three purposes. You want to qualify and gather information about the prospect. Number two, you definitely want to create and build familiarity about the company or about the product or awareness of a pain point they have. And number three should be a call to action, whether it's that bring traffic to your website, click on a link, book a meeting or a demo. So that's the three things and the three purposes of actually, and I'm telling my reps, it's okay if you didn't book the meeting, but you're qualifying and gathering information, which is going to help you to eventually book that meeting. And again, you're building familiarity. And uh, I read it on Fanatical Prospecting, and it's true, 90% of your calls will probably go to voicemail. And it's true. So that 10% that actually picks up, you need to have the best conversation possible even if it's just qualifying and gathering information, because you might not know an email might, might actually book that meeting, a LinkedIn request, and you're building familiarity. That's no, what I think. No, I love this. Now, we're going to talk about structure as we move forward here, but I want to point out the difference that what you just provided there was a structure, and we're going to give you several throughout this show, but we're also not giving you a script. Now, we've got a few things mm -hmm. to talk about when it comes to scripts, and I know you have your passions. But first, Cynthia, Ronan, before we jump into the script thing, because I know you are- We're already like getting- I ran. Everybody yeah. actually yeah. Have I'm ready to like hold me back when she just said, I want to go in on that. <laughs> let's, let's, let's calm down for a minute because I have to talk about this thing that you've been doing with your team. And I want Ronan's opinion on this. You've been doing mock calls as a group and really crushing the souls of your reps. But you say- they've improved dramatically because of this radical candor that you've been providing for them. Tell me about that. And then Ronan, you got to jump in and tell me if you see value in this process as a leader. So I definitely think I'm getting my boxing gloves ready. So I, <laughs> I definitely think that role play is a huge, huge, huge part because I hate it when reps practice on prospects. And I keep saying that to my team all the time. You're ruining opportunities. You're closing doors by practicing on prospects. Some people might actually be nice and laugh, but you just lost the meeting. And that 
might be actually a good opportunity to call back like in six months. So role play and mock play is a huge, huge, huge part. You can practice with your team. You can practice with your family. You can practice with yourself in front of a mirror as many times as you get it right. Uh, and fun fact, we actually had a role play this morning with my team at 7 a.m. our time because um, I'm doing a whole retraining and refreshment course for my entire team. And it's been two weeks. Uh, we're finishing it ne next week. And today we did mock play. We, we played nice prospect, bad prospect, mean person, nice person. So it's good. It's a good, good, good experience. Nice. Nice. Ronan, tell me about this exercise in your mind. What's popping off right now? Cynthia, James, and everyone here. Um, that was amazing advice. So the first thing is <laughs> role-playing is the best way that you can actually activate people's skills. I'm actually a very firm believer in this. I think it's unfortunate that so many companies will only invest in like armchair expert style, you know, very passive listening to a speaker style training where you show up to a room for three days, you have some sort of uh, person come in and just lecture. The the uh, place where the rubber meets the road and where most skills are developed is actually doing. So big fan of that, Cynthia. In fact, when I was running several SDR teams, I would do daily role plays every single day during standups. Now that said, <laughs> I did want to go back to something <laughs> if it's okay, which is I don't think we should be doing any qualification or very, very, very little on the cold call. The thing that I think gets lost so often and why people don't book as many meetings as they can on cold calls is because they're focused on the wrong goal. Mm. Ultimately, if you're an SDR, I hate to break it to you, but you should not really be qualifying a prospect. You shouldn't be getting budget, authority, time, or need, or any of the medic stuff or whatever you use for qualification, unless it's absolutely necessary to even have a meeting. So one example would be if my if I build a tool that integrates with another tool, I need to know that you actually still use that, then it's okay to ask that around a cold call. Other than that, focus on what you're really there for. You want to get time. And this is where I disagree with you because my company is the perfect use case for that specifically. You need for us to pitch Samara, um, you actually need to have a meeting. We let, oh, we, and as somebody just talked about what I was going into qualified ops, we get a lot of qualified ops, but remember that my company specifically is the talent that people need to interview. So, um, we need to qualify. And obviously I tell my team, you're not going to ask the person on the call. Are you the decision maker? That's common sense and logic. If you're speaking to a C CEO, CFO, you're, you're supposed to do your research before actually calling that person. So you should already be speaking to a decision maker, but you can ask questions, hidden questions that lead to qualification. And that is why it's important that you let the prospect talk and ask open-ended questions that actually lead to qualifying without having to ask, what is your budget? Because for example, one of our best questions is, we know that the recession is going on. Companies want to maximize the resources and want to save money. So the fact is, what problems are you having hiring? And you can probably answer two qualification questions that they're going to go like, oh, our recruiting process is so long. Um, a lot of, of our candidates drop out off the process. We have no budget, blah, 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 blah. So you can probably get those questions answered by just having a conversation. Let's pause on that moment because we're going to talk about 
qualifying and how it works to your advantage when you're leveraging transitions as we move forward. I want to circle back. We Let me know in the chat, put a one in the chat if when you first started in sales and you were calling people, you had a script. Put a one in the chat if you had a script. All right. We have two differences of opinion on scripts in the room. Now, both of them agree that you should not sound scripted, mm -hmm. but Cynthia adamantly protests against using scripts, whereas Ronin finds that there's a great value in scripts. So I would love, Ronin, I I'll give it to you to start. Tell me why somebody should use a script, and then we'll pass it to Cynthia so she can say her personal experience about her my script. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say the big thing when it comes down to with scripting in general is um, to get off the script as fast as you can. So most people actually don't really get there, unfortunately, which is why I'm a huge fan of sticking to the script. Look, Jordan Belfort, The Wolf of Wall Street, we all saw the movie. How did he make a ton of money? Because he kept his prospect on the phone on a very specific path. That's the same thing with the script that I train people on and that I uh, actually help build for companies, we keep them on a specific path, no open-ended questions, all closed-ended. And the reason is they don't know who you are. They don't know why you're calling. You're interrupting their day. And if you start asking these open-ended questions, I've seen this so many times where you take the call off track and then all of a sudden the person's like, I got to go. I, I don't really want to be on the phone with this uh, person. So the ultimate goal of the five questions that I, um, or four to six, depending on really where you are, but the four to six questions that you ask is to get a conversation started. So they're all closed-ended, but 100% of the time when you get down to the final question, you have a conversation with them. So you don't actually need to ask open-ended questions to begin a conversation. So it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek when I say that. Um, the second thing with the script is the rehearsal piece that Cynthia was actually talking about. Rehearsal is key, but more important is rehearsing how you sound. So if you're alone, open up uh, some sort of recorder and actually listen back to the game tape to hear how you sound. Two things you can always do to improve your deliverability of your script. Slow down your pace, clarify and enunciate the words that you're saying. Again, if we just go back to what most people are thinking when they pick up the phone, we know about this psychological phenomenon called heuristics. Heuristics teach us that like during 70% of our day, we're in autopilot. We're not thinking, our brain's just going. We have to do that to survive. Otherwise our brains would take up too many resources and we'd all be paralyzed putting our shoes on every day, right? So we have to do things automatically. One of the automatic things that happens when you pick up the phone, this is what the psychology proves. The person is thinking immediately, friend or foe, who's calling me? If you have kids, this is my kid in trouble. If you have a business where you need to answer the phone, is this a client? Yeah. If you just think that it's your next call, is this my next call? And so the first thing you have to do with the script, and this is what the script does for you, is to help them immediately understand in place who this is, but then go right into provoking the prospect. So we'll pause on that piece. We're going we're gonna to give a structure for this, and that's one of the things I want to prompt Cynthia for right here. You said, hell no, to the script, and you went with structure instead. So break these three primary structural pieces down for the folks in the room. Okay, so just so that everybody knows, I hate script. Uh, and this is a fun conversation to have because Ronan and I have very different point of views with this. So yes, I hate script, but you should have 
call structure and you should have a conversation. So instead of doing a script, what you can actually do is build a conversation flow for yourself. Because I hate people that sound scripted. And I just think of people calling you to offer a credit card, like, hi, how are you? And you're like, oh my God, not another cold call. And like, I take cold calls because I have a team of cold callers and I'm actually nice to cold callers, but I hate script. So I think you do have to have some call structure and most importantly, a conversation. The purpose of having a conversation flow is for you to have all of the possible scenarios that you might get when you're having a cold call as the prospect says yes. And even I have used conversation flows in the past. Well, if a prospect says yes, what is the next step? Do I want to push for that meeting? Do I want to gather and qualify for information? Do I need to ask more questions? That could be it. If the prospect says no, okay, I appreciate your time. Uh, could I get some feedback on why you're not interested at this time? Or can I get your email to send you some information? You never know what the future might hold. So have a conversation flow is important. Um, it will come to a point where you will perfect it by role playing, mock play, whatever, not practicing on your prospects, that it's going to roll off your tongue and it's going to sound supernatural. But I used to have a little conversation flow document for myself, especially when you're working in very niche industries where you have to have a lot of technical information on hand that you might not remember that information to be able to keep the conversation going. Also, objections and rebuttals. Some people are extremely new to the industry, are not experienced sales reps, or do not know the company at all. I built a little conversation flow based on objections and rebuttals as well. We, we're going to talk about that conversation flow because we've got a good example. And I want to show your bingo card that you provide for everybody. But before we get into that, we're going to talk a, one more transition phrase. I love this one. I would love your feedback. And let me show you how I use it first. I say things like, I use the word hints. Hints is like my juxtaposition, my transitional word that gets me to the next piece. So let me give you an example. This is how I use it. I want to talk about the open positions in sales that you currently have, but I also need to know what problem we're going to solve for them, hence my need for a group call. What do you guys think of the word hints as a transition word to get to that group call that you're looking for, specifically for the other stakeholders to be brought in? It's pretty slick. I like it. It's quick. You just seamlessly move them right along and uh, hey, if it works, it works. Yeah. I find people that pop open LinkedIn and they're like, oh, you know who else needs to be on this? Let me send you this person. This is who it needs to be. And then I can reach out and there's like a smooth trend. So I think, Cynthia, hints, will you will you bless my, <laughs> as a sales leader, will you bless my? hope that my team is listening to this call because I hope all of you join the webinars. You need to include that in your vocabulary. That's not an advice. Nice. It's a border. <laughs> so, so the reason why I picked that up is because you think on your feet and it started to be something that I said frequently, uh, how do we teach, Ronan, this is probably a great question for you because you teach sure. this stuff all the time. Cynthia, you do too, to your team. Uh, but how do we teach people to think on their feet? What are the things that they need to focus on to get better at it? And then we're going to pivot to something else that I yeah. brought to the table that I think is amazing. Well, that's, that's actually the key of, of having a conversation flow. That's the key of using words and transitions like hence. None of, none of the specifics matter until you find what works for you and you've been able to rehearse it enough to have the confidence. So like uh, whether Cynthia calls her conversation low a script or not, 
okay, it's a script. It's not a script. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Using a script opens up a conversation flow. Using transition words like hence, it, the goal there is to ultimately like not feel so terrified of picking up the phone. I think it's got to be like more than half, if not even three quarters of people who cold call are just absolutely terrified and your prospect can hear that. They can sense it and it is the biggest turnoff possible. And the best way to get past that is to grow confidence from within by practicing and rehearsing a lot and then having something you can lean on, even if it's a bit of a crutch when you're getting started, like a script or a conversation flow, certain transition statements that you're going to just use. Um, around rebuttals, around objections, super key to have them written down, but also practice them. One of the easiest way to practice them, take your top 10, whatever it is, you find a partner and the goal is to do rapid fire objection handling. Um, it's really, it's actually really fun, but I call it seven layers of hell. Essentially, like your partner is supposed to just keep pushing objections your way from a sheet and you're supposed to continue to just handle them, handle them, handle them. That's one of the warm ups I used to do with my team before we got started on the day. And it really I'm also. Yeah, everyone should steal that one. I mean, it really gets the confidence going, gets the juices flowing. And to the okay. point that James just made, you want to be audible ready, quick on your toes ready to respond to the thing that the person said. The only way you could do that is kind of getting off script and knowing how to handle all these objections. Structure, not script. I have to side with Cynthia in yeah. that instance. Cynthia, <laughs> I, I, wanted to, I wanted to point on something that you guys just said. And even though you didn't say it in these exact words, I've been saying it for years. Uh, confidence comes from competence. And you provide resources for your team like this bingo card right here that makes them confident that this is a qualified call and therefore they're competent to come in and deliver with confidence and be able to move the conversation from one stage to another. Talk to me about how this bingo card impacts transitions and moving a deal forward. Love it. So we came up with the bingo sheet because a lot of BDRs on my team were booking unqualified prospects and it's going to be funny, but we even had meetings with candidates. So it's like you're pushing, they're pushing for the meeting so hard and they get so excited when a person agrees and says yes, that they forget to even see if this is a qualified prospect. Like I've had that, you're not going to believe it. We actually had meetings with candidates and until they're inside the meeting, they're like, oh my God, this was a candidate. I messed it up. So we call it a bingo because it's normally either five questions that, as I said at the beginning of this webinar, you need to find a way that the prospect unsuspectedly answers without having to ask them up front, like, are you the decision maker? Um, do you have budget? Are you hiring within the next 15 days? But you need to have criteria and five basic points come to your criteria, which are normally decision maker, role, um, budget, or is this person within the hiring window in the next 15 to 30 days, depending on your sales cycle. And what is the main problem that they're having? Why are they even speaking to you? So if you have those five criteria nailed down, that's a bingo for me. And they can be questions. They can be criteria. And something that's really fun is if you don't get the prospect to actually answer those questions, but he actually agreed to the call, a great way to follow up is send them an email after mm -hmm. they accepted the, the meeting invite. And you might want to say, uh, thank you for your time today. It was great speaking to you. We look forward to your meeting. 
Just wanted to ask you a couple of questions to streamline our meeting and make the most out of our time together. And most people, if they really want to take that meeting, will they give it to you. Yeah, that's great advice. I, Cynthia, you should say that again. That's really great advice. So again, guys, with the bingo sheet, <laughs> there's two ways of doing it. If you guys forgot to ask these questions during the call and the prospect already accepted the, the, the meeting invite via email, you might want to follow up with an email that says, uh, hi, X and X, I appreciate you for taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, looking forward to our conversation on X and X date. Just wanted to follow up with a couple of quick questions to streamline yeah. our meeting together and make the most out of our time. And do not send out 10 paragraphs, just three, four, five basic qualification questions. And like I would say 95% of people actually get back to you. They're not going to have a problem answering if they really want to take that meeting. If you don't get an answer or if they don't accept the invite, that's probably going to be a no-show or oh, or that was something that you didn't engage or qualify correctly. So so I want to I want to point something out that you said, and I call this conversational discovery, right? You can ask these questions conversationally so that it doesn't feel like you're just interrogating somebody. Mm -hmm. here's, a, here's a physical technique for those of you that are looking to move the conversation from qualification into that discovery, deep discovery about them. What I sometimes will do is hop on and I'll go, you know what? I have five legit, like real questions that I have to get answers to. And then we can have a real conversation. Cool. That's that permission-based opener. Most people go, yeah, fire away. And you go, okay, cool. And you fire them off and you take your notes and then physically they see you move that aside and you go, so tell me what you want to get out of this call and then shut your mouth and let them tell you what matters most to them. But if they see that physical movement of those questions being moved aside, it becomes less about you and more about them and they feel more comfortable talking to you. Before we move on, because I know Ronan, I see you. I see you. You're like, I got things to say. You gave me two statements. And I love these two statements that you gave and you use these in your day-to-day. -day. You say, have you heard of my company before? And I'll give you the second one, but break down when you should use this, why you should use this, who should be using this? What's the, the value of saying this question as a transition statement? Yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite transition from the opener down to what I call the middle script. And um, I don't know if you want to throw up the whole framework, but I, I essentially take people through usually four, maybe five, if not at most six questions. And to Cynthia's point here, you'll see one of them says pre-qualification question, but optional. So the opener is just about getting permission. That's three to 10 seconds max. Um, the next thing that I got, I stole straight up from Sarah Brazier, who gets it from Sandler. And the idea is this. Do you know of my company already? And if you say yes, that's awesome. Now, if you've never, ever in a million years heard yes to, the, to that question, you might want to consider taking it out. But even if you know it's always going to be a no, it's a good transition because then you can say, oh, that's exactly why I'm reaching out to you right now. Um, hey, quick question for you. And this is where you start to probe. And so the probing question is usually around a current day pain. It has to be current and present. And this is where you boil down all of the things that you do to your number one, not your most uh, expensive problem that you solve, but your most frequent problem that you solve. You want to hit with frequency, not necessarily um, the dollars on a cold call because you want the person to be thinking about it a lot. So in the case of the last company I worked at as a customer support AI tool at Red Sentiment, I would say to people, 
Hey, quick question for you. Um, out of curiosity, out of all the support tickets you got this month, do you already have a way of knowing which customer left feeling the most frustrated out of every interaction? Hard pause, hit the mute button. Now that's a current day probe. I'm trying to I'm trying to get them to bite at it and hook them on. And usually people will say, yes, I do. In which case, you know, it's either going to be competition, incumbent solution, or an old school way of doing what you do. In our case, that used to be like CSAT surveys or like other AI sentiment tools, or they say no, but either way, you're taking them down the path and the path leads to the conversation. And that's where you take them to the provocative question. This is where you're going to essentially drop the mic after you ask the question. And this is supposed to be a future oriented question that really gets them thinking about if they've ever considered something like what you offer. So again, in the case of the last company, the customer support tool, I would say, hey, out of curiosity, have you ever considered using AI sentiment that'll essentially understand the emotions that your customers are feeling, like frustration and urgency in real time so that you can catch all those fires before they land on your desk as a full-fledged fire drill? And then people are just like, and when you hear them thinking, you can actually hear it on the phone. <laughs> That's when you know it landed. And the key here is to not get into it, but rather say, look, would it be totally insane if we found 30 minutes sometime next week where I'm not cold calling you and we can go over how we might be able to help you improve your customer experience? Yeah, I love this because when you said- I love this too. Yeah, when you said, and you've said this one before on the show, you've said, would it be totally insane? This like- this like takes the weight off of me as the listener on the other end of the phone. Cynthia, you felt the same way. You gave me I did. You gave me a great script though, and I think it plays well into what Ronin is describing here. You said that one of the things you do is you leave it open after a comment that's relevant. So the one you gave me was, I see that you have open roles relevant to what Samira does. And they go, Yes, we're hiring. And then the conversation has begun. So then your that's why we're calling kind of kicks in. Uh, talk to people about these comments instead of questions and how they play a role in transition. So I love what you just said, Ronan. Like yeah. that is gold right there. And just using the word insane, it like totally knocks people off. And I love that because that's probably going to book you a meeting. They're not expecting that. It's like, it's sort of like a permission-based opener because you're even asking them permission so I love that. Um, and I would say that comes in hand with the tone of voice, definitely, because the way Ronan said it, like, dude, you just sold me that meeting. Like, literally, I would take a meeting with you right now. <laughs> like, it sounded so good. And people forget that, that they're so nervous when they're booking a meeting that just having that tone of voice changed everything, like. You sold me and James. We're, we're like ready to take that meeting. But yeah. let's 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 go on with tone because I want to get this out. This is so important right here. Okay. Uh, yo, you took these from our great friend Sarah Brazier. Talk to me about these. Well, just one of those actually. So yeah, this just is one. What, okay. This is what I teach my students when I do tonality training, um, and in the boot camp as well. But there's three big tones, and when I say big tones, I mean good. There's only three. If you do any, if you're focused on any other kind of tone, there's a reason why calls don't convert. 
Um, people also talk about this this fourth tone that I'm on the fence about. So I'll leave it out there and just I won't give my opinion on it. And the fourth one is indifferent. <laughs> so that's the fourth one. It's just kind of like the chill late night DJ. Although you can argue that's confident. So the one you see the most is confident. That's the one you'll see from the Wolf of Wall Street or any of these other people with sales training that talk about tone, 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 tone. It's, um, there's a very masculine energy behind that. That's all I'm going to say there. But it's a confident, a sharp tone, but that's not the only one that works. There's two others. The friendly, familiar tone is one that I personally subscribe to, and I encourage that's everyone my, to play with all three. That's my favorite one, and that's the one you use right now. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's natural. And that's the key to tone. If you can find what's more natural to you, great. Now, some people are lucky. Some people are funny. I'm not funny. So some people who are funny can land the comedic tone so well, and that cuts through the noise. But here's the thing about tone that people don't really realize. Tone is your pattern interrupt. Tone is the thing that makes you sound different than everyone else, not your words. It's not 27 seconds. It's not saying weird things. It's how you sound when you deliver it. You can say, how are you? And you can be like, hey, hey, Cynthia, how are you? You can be like, who the heck is this? And did he have three shots of espresso before he called me? <laughs> but it'll cut through. And she's going to be like, exactly. I'm trying to figure out who this person is right now. So it's the tone that'll help you stand out, which is the goal of cold calling, to cut through the pattern and interrupt the typical automatic processing, the heuristic of this is a salesperson, this is a cold call, I don't want to be on this call, cut through it with the way you sound. Cynthia, you said you you said that you, you liked this friendly approach, and I believe that tone is a reason why people respond favorably to me when I call them. Uh, what tones are you sharing with your people? How do you get people trained on this? And then I want to come back to another transition statement that Ronen gave us and get your thoughts on it. So something that we do and that we love is that I encourage everyone from my team to share good and bad cold call recordings because we even have like a BDR tool document where we have all of our good calls and that serves like as a reminder whenever you want to hear them. And, and on our document, we even have like warm tone of voice, great permission-based opener, um, talk too fast, needs to engage more so that you can actually listen to these recordings over and over again, take notes and perfect that. I have a rep, uh, I, he knows who he is, Stefan Hyde. His cold calls are amazing. He has the best warm and friendliest tone of voice. Like he would sell me a meeting every time that he would call me. So as a good practice, we have a record of all of our, the best calls, book meetings, uh, gatekeepers, rebuttals, everything that we feel is going to be helpful. And we listen to them at least once a month. And everybody that comes into the team, we also make them listen to those calls just as a better practice. Cynthia listens to hundreds of calls a week. Y'all. That's awesome. Uh, all right. So two things that we have to do before we wrap this up and get to some questions from the group. So if you have questions, throw them in the Q&A. We will answer as many as we can before we wrap up. But you guys said there were some phrases that you wanted to avoid. And the one you gave earlier was the reason for my call is. Now, we train on this. It works fairly well. But you think it's overused, Ronan. I support this. It's overused. We've been telling a lot of people about it for many years. Uh, but Cynthia, you had one that stood out to me. You said because is overused. I hate it. And I hate because because people will automatically know it's a cold call. And I hate 
is this a good time to call or I'm sorry to call to call you because Ooh, yeah, don't apologize. It is never a good time no. to call. It will always be a cold call. You will always be interrupting their day. And you should not say you're sorry. Like if you use the permission based opener and you already have them on the phone, don't apologize. Like, Confidence, y'all. Like, come on, we don't we don't apologize. You could say I know I'm an interruption, but oh no, don't apologize. That's going to chip away your confidence. And you know, James, all right, there are worse things to say. I'll take that back. <laughs> and instead, <laughs> I fully agree here with Cynthia. Don't double PBO or triple PBO. Don't ask multiple times for permission. That's one of the worst things I see happening. Someone will say like, hey, is it, is it a terrible time to talk? And they'll be like, uh, sure, no. Okay, can I tell you why I'm calling? Don't do that. Don't ask twice. So instead of a specific a phrase, feels call just so that you know, like for the third time that for right exactly. Just if you're gonna do the permission based opener, if that's what works for you and gives you the confidence to be better on the phone and sound better, ask once for permission. I have I have one more transition statement, and then we're gonna answer a couple of questions. And this is one that you gave me, Ronan. Are you still using X technology? And you use this pretty regularly to get them talking about what they use. This is great for product people. Put a two in the chat if you sell a product, not a service. Yeah, that's a big one. Tell me about this transition phrase. So like going, I, I agree with Cynthia on qualifying if you absolutely must to take the meeting. So because your product integrates with a product, uh, you know, there's, a, let's just say Gong, for example, I know they're a sponsor. They only, if they only integrated with like Salesforce, but they don't, uh, then I would say something like, Hey, quick question for you. Uh, based on my research, it looks like you guys are using Salesforce. Is that still the case? So you don't ask them, what are you using for your CRM? You offer it to them. You say, are you still using this based on my research? And there are companies that have all that data, like built with and all these other companies. So you can get that data online pretty easily. Um, and then when you say, is that still the case? You'd be surprised. Sometimes people will start opening up. Yeah, but we're actually migrating off of it in three months. Oh, tell me what's going on there. Right. Right. So all of these closed-ended questions, closed-ended meaning they get yes or no answers, lead to conversations. It's crazy. Yep. You don't have to ask an open-ended question to have a conversation. I like tell me what's going on there as a transitional statement. I mean, it's hard to get people to talk to you, but tell me what's going on there is like a comment that forces mm -hmm. people to be like, and I think there's like a choice. You can tell me more or you can be like, I don't have time for this. And you, oh, let's right. set something up, you know? And that's how you earn that call or that slot. Uh, John will often pivot to, are you in front of your calendar in that moment? Oof. It's pretty good. That's uh, most people are sitting directly in front of their calendar. Let me get this one question out that's relevant here from Courtney. For friendly tones, do you think upspeak is okay? Meaning, I think you're talking about tones here, like the upward inflection. Mm -hmm. Managers tell me to avoid it at all costs, but I don't know how to sound excited without upspeak. Absolutely. It's a fad. Don't worry about your uptones. Okay. Same, yeah. You, same thought? <laughs> I agree with that totally. And I just want to get something out there. Now that we were talking about that, I had a really, I had a, a training session, not with my BDRs, with, with somebody else that we train on the company. And one of the questions, which I know that I want to hear Ronan's point of view on this one, this is the gold one. When people ask, where did you get my number? I where did you get this something. number? <laughs> you have yeah, to say it like with anger. My number? <laughs> like, bro, it's 2022. If your information is out there on Apollo and some info, it's out there on the internet. But one of the people I was training comes up and says, oh, we actually have a platform that's called Zoom Info. And if you want, I can have your number removed like that. Beautiful. 
Exactly. But there is a downside to that because the prospect might get really mad and you're going to get into a whole conversation that they want to be removed from Zeminfo and some crazy people might even look it up. So I normally try to stay away from that. Like I, yeah, my marketing manager provided me with a list of contacts and you're in that list. And if you want to be removed, we can go ahead and remove you, period. Yeah. That's this is this is great right here. I hate to cut it off. We're going to have to do this again. We're going to wrap this up. I want to ask everyone that's still in the room, out of the transitions that you've heard, everybody that's in the room, take part in this. Which one are you going to start using? I really liked all the ones that we put in front of you. And we're going to go ahead and drop Ronin and Cynthia's links inside the chat so that you guys can go ahead and connect with them and follow them on LinkedIn and learn more. I want to thank you for coming out and investing in yourself. You guys are the reason that we do this. Thank you for being a part of the learning. And to my guests, we really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. Both of you are more than welcome to come back. Any last words in the last 20 seconds that you, Cynthia, or you, Ronan, want to share, and then we'll cut it off or give everybody back. I would say that you need to remember that being a BDR or being in sales is all about mindset and tying that with Ronan's tone of voice is everything. People will know if you're over eager, people will know if you're pissed off, people will know if you're angry, people will know if you're nervous. So mindset is everything in this job. That's Ronan, final thoughts. We'll cut it off. Final thought here. You guys are doing some of the hardest work out there. Don't lose sight of the fact that your job is a grind and you're doing some of that hard work, keep going. Like Cynthia said, the mindset is key. If you need to take a breather, go take a breather and come back to it. But try as much as you can to unattach yourself from what's going to happen on every call. Detach from the results and you'll have more fun with it. Have fun. That's the name of the game. Don't forget it as you come into next week. Take a breather this weekend. We'll see you guys Monday. Have a great day and keep selling better.